knowing when you are where you are in your cycle gives a lot of insights about how you feel and usually women start using natural cycles because they need a, a contraceptive method but what they stay for and what they enjoy the most is really starting to understand what's going on inside their bodies Coming up on today's podcast, as you can tell from that clip, Alina, the co-founder of Natural Cycles, tells us how data can help women make sense of their own bodies. I'm David Savage, and you're listening to Tech Talks, the twice-weekly podcast that shares insight and thought from some of the sector's leading lights, as well as a little bit of technology news. Uh, So if you're new to the sector, or you're trying to find out what your peers are up to and get some inspiration or some support, this is the podcast for you. Joining me today, we have Jack Pierce, my He's... longtime co-host. You've, you've been away for a little while, Jack. Yeah, I've been I've been here, I've been there, I've been everywhere, Dave. I mean, we've managed to, to keep in touch with the live shows, but yeah, bu- busy time of year. Absolutely, and you're going away on holiday again. I know, what life I live, hey? So yeah, I'm going, going to San Francisco on Friday. That's very exciting. Yeah, going to go over to the... Uh, the silicon valley area and just start screaming who wants an interview um see what happens (laughs) (laughs) you are a bit in love with the states at the minute aren't you because yeah i'm sure your last couple of holidays have been the states obviously you've been there to texas with work i mean yeah i I think you should i think you should be like employed by the tourist department i'm not gonna quite go full emily blunt and and marry an american and uh, you know um change nationalities but uh, i love america everything's so easy they you know everything's set up for 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 lazy people like me and it's all just it's there everyone's happy to see you my accent goes down really well in america whereas over here i just get told to shut up so yeah i like it out there and do you uh, bump into many gooners out there or uh, are, they, are the EPL more interested or EPL fans rather more interested in City? Do you know what? I met, um, it was Charleston, South Carolina last year that I met a Native American, as in Native to America, uh, Arsenal fan and they got uh, really excited about it and it was, it, do you know what? It's lovely to see fresh-faced Arsenal fans because all the Arsenal fans I know were all doom and gloom a bit so yeah, it was nice to have some enthusiastic Americans uh, cheering them on as well. Uh, he'll probably be kind of like, one of my lifetime goals is to go to the Emirates and then he go and be really disappointed. Yeah, then you go and you realise you're sat amongst <laughs> loads of other tourists who don't really want to say anything. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, Rook, it's great to have you on the show, Jack, as great ever. Great to be on. Good. Um, our guest today is Alina Berglund um, Schwitzel. Hopefully I got that right, Alina. I'm really sorry if not. She's the co-founder and CEO of Natural Cycles. Uh, We will dive straight into the show, uh, into the interview rather, but stick around. Afterwards, myself and Jack will have some thoughts. And as ever, there will be a quick bit of technology news. So today we are joined by Alina. Alina, sorry, just to make sure that I've got this right. You're in Stockholm right now, right? Yes, right now I'm in Stockholm. How is uh, the Swedish summer? Is it as awful as the British summer or are you having an okay time (laughs) over there? Um, Well, this summer has been okay. Last summer was amazing and I think every person in Sweden expected this this summer to be the same. But, well, it has been raining quite a bit. Right now... 
I've I've had a jumper on for most of the days. So that tells you everything you need to know about our August. Anyway, <laughs> um, not here to talk about the weather. You're the co-founder and CTO of Natural Cycles. Um, before we get any further, uh, prior to being introduced to you, I, I have to admit I wasn't familiar with Natural Cycles, and I have to assume that a lot of our audience won't be either. So who or what is Natural Cycles? Natural Cycles is um, the only app or digital product that is um, certified as a contraception in Europe or as a birth control in the US by the FDA. Behind the app, there is an algorithm that analyzes women's body temperature to determine uh, when she ovulates and hence when she's fertile and most importantly, when she's not fertile. So she knows when she has to use protection or not. So basically, when a woman uses the app, she measures her temperature in the mouth in the morning when she wakes up and then enters it into the app. And then the algorithm returns a, a red day if she needs to use protection and a green day if she doesn't. This is a bit of a leap from what you were doing before because you were a particle physicist and you were part of the team. I know it says discoverer on the Internet, so maybe it would be, it'd be very interesting actually to find out what your role was in that. But a, a discoverer uh, in the Higgs boson. So... Going from that to this seems quite different. It would be it would be fascinating to find out how that happened. Yeah, I mean, um, so indeed I am a particle physicist and I was indeed part of the team at CERN, uh, a laboratory in Switzerland that discovered the Higgs boson. And that actually then also led to a Nobel Prize for the theoreticians uh, that had predicted the Higgs boson already uh, the year after. So that was exciting. Um, and you might think it's very different, but some things are actually quite similar. Um, it involves a lot of data. So when I was a particle physicist and looking for the Higgs, I was uh, searching for the Higgs in a haystack of data where the Higgs was the needle, kind of. And now I instead uh, analyze a lot of um, data from women's menstrual cycles and their temperatures to try to pinpoint ovulation and determine their fertility. Now, you mentioned their data. It, obviously, data we know underpins so many different businesses, but a lot of the innovations and, and breakthroughs that are being made in health tech at the minute are kind of built on, on understanding um, huge data sets and numbers of different people. There have been some data privacy concerns about the use of data in, in some um, trials. If we think about the way that DeepMind have worked with the NHS, if we think about Babylon, who've also been on this on this podcast, there have been some question marks. Um, how have you approached that? Have you have you been met with some concern about the use of your data at all? Um, is that is that a narrative that you've had to explain to people from outside of the industry? Yes, of course, because um, clearly, as uh, we are at Natural Cycles, very passionate about empowering women through knowledge, data is a large part of that. And we also, therefore, deal with very sensitive data because it's, um, it has to do with health. But um, since we are a, a certified medical device, uh, we have to go through a lot of processes on how we uh, release the product, how we collect and store data, and therefore um, data privacy is one of the core quality, um, and data protection is one of the core quality principles at Natural Cycles. And we deeply care about the confidentiality and integrity that is shared with us. And it's very important to note that 
uh, we would never sell um, our data to anyone. And um, Natural Cycles is, is not a free app. It's, um, it's subscription-based. And uh, part of that is because we want to keep the women, our users, as our customers and not someone else that consumes our data or puts ads in our app, etc. So uh, indeed, data privacy is, is very important to us. Granted, but I'm assuming that a lot of that data, if shared responsibly, could also help other health tech organizations or possibly the NHS or people working within NHS. Indeed. England, right? uh, so, so I suppose there's that line, isn't there, between absolutely protecting data, but also saying to people, what you've got, you've got, how, how, many, how many UK users do you currently have? Uh, I think we have about 300,000 registered users in the UK today, something okay. like that. So. If, if I was a user of a, of a, of a, of a health tech um, subscription-based model, but they said to me, if we shared some of your data with this organization, it would have this benefit, would you be okay with that? I, I would kind of say yes. So is that is that an element of, because of, of, you are working in the, in the field of research, right? Exactly. And we do actually still um, perform research with the data we have uh, with natural cycles. So hmm. um What's very and we do then share data indeed with uh, with institutions like other universities. But the important difference here is that we only share aggregated data, so we do not share uh, personal individual data, and only if we get the consent from our users to do that. Um, but our users usually do give us that consent because they um, they want to help with the work we are doing when we are trying to pioneer women's health. So look, you talk about biohacking women's fertility. What what exactly do we mean? How how does this how does this actually work? What what are the kit that someone needs? Well, uh, I guess biohacking is is one of these um, new buzzwords. But I think what it, <laughs> it really uh, means is that you know through individualized, personalized insights on your body, uh, you can become much smarter about um, your own behavior to enhance how you feel, your performance, uh, etc. And I think, um, you know, women and people start doing this more and more today by thinking about what they eat and when to exercise, etc. And I, I really do think that there's a lot to come to this in the future. Uh, I mean, if you think of the current healthcare system, usually like you only treat something when something's already wrong. But if you would have all the data of your body, you could be much more preventive and have preventive actions instead of, you know, only going to the doctor when you're sick or uh, doing something about it when you're already sick. And when it comes to fertility and natural cycles, um, knowing when you are where you are in your cycle gives a lot of insights about how you feel. And usually women start using natural cycles because they need a, a contraceptive method, but what they stay for and what they enjoy the most is really starting to understand what's going on inside their bodies. Um, like one example is that uh, Olympic sports women usually use apps to track their cycle to adapt their training because uh, in, in the fertile part of the cycle, the estrogen rises, which usually makes you feel like you can conquer anything. You feel very empowered, but it also yeah. increases the elasticity in, in your joints so you might have to be careful with certain um, types of, of training 
Yeah, well, I don't know whether you've come across them. We've had a, a company called Wild AI on the podcast who work in exactly that space, trying to help kind of women look at their cycles and train ah, them more cool. effectively. Yeah, that's exciting. Uh, we also see like many women that use natural cycles, they uh, they get a reminder when uh, PMS is coming up, which usually makes them feel a little bit more down and blue. And sometimes we get uh, users writing us saying like, I was sitting there on my couch crying my eyes out and then I got this message from the app telling me exactly why and then they feel better about it so i suppose it's, it's pretty cool understanding piece isn't it yeah um, i think so i just uh, you mentioned um it's a, it's a huge clinical study the largest clinical study of its kind the app has been shown to be 93 percent effective with typical use and 98 percent effective with perfect use what, what do you mean by typical use and perfect use so that's usually how you measure different contraceptive methods uh so Perfect use means how many women get pregnant per year or how many women don't get pregnant per year if they use the, the contraceptive method perfectly. And in our case, that means that they actually do use protection when we give them a red day in the app. Well, if you're on the pill, for instance, that means that you actually take the pill, you remember to take it. Well, typical use effectiveness describes what the, you know, the average use is, so how many women get pregnant per year if you look at all women. So even if you sometimes skip using protection red days or if you forget to take the pill. Now, one thing I found fascinating about the way that, that, that you describe natural cycles, um, that it aims to educate and empower women. And I guess this kind of gets down to the heart of femtech, right? I was having this fascinating conversation with some friends recently where um, my, my best man's wife has just given birth to their first child, but they had struggled to um, to actually get pregnant. And, and Emma was having a conversation with my wife, Haley, where they were talking about the fact that at school, all they were ever told was how not to get pregnant. They were never told how you do get pregnant. And I suppose there's that, it, it does seem to be that it's, it's, it's very much, and I don't know whether it's a, a, a male dominated conversation in schools, but it's like, don't get pregnant, pregnancy's bad, rather than giving women information to make a sensible choice. Is, is that a fair reading of, of what's going on? Yes, I I agree, and I, I think you know um, natural cycles uh, has two different settings actually in the app. So you can use it both to prevent pregnancy and plan a pregnancy. And um, we're uh, we just published um, another clinical study that showed that actually uh, using natural cycles to prevent pregnancy then makes it faster for you to to get pregnant when you want to because you already know what's going on inside your body rather than if you for instance, directly come off the pill, which might have altered your body, but you also don't have that insights. And as we progressively get older in the modern society, when we try to have babies, it might not always be as easy. And I think that's important to be aware of because, you know, you want to plan to have the family you want to have. And if you are always told just to never get pregnant, it might not be so easy one day if, if it's yeah, later down the line. Now, I noticed that the, the business was co-founded with your husband, correct? Yes, that's correct. And he's, he's also a, a doctor. I'm assuming he's not a medical doctor. I'm, I'm assuming like you, he is a scientist. Is, is yes, right he's, also, he's also a physicist. Cool. I mean, obviously, both of you coming from a science background, but now working in technology, I, I noticed on the website, you've got a number of data scientists. Um, are they also kind of, do they have a PhD? Do they come from a similar background as you guys? I, I, I'm just curious because I've heard a few people start to say, 
data scientists need to have a PhD. They need to have that scientific background. And as you're a scientist, it'd be really interesting to get your view on that. Yeah, we do have um, quite a lot of data scientists on our team, and, and they do all have PhDs indeed. Um, I wouldn't say that they necessarily have to have PhDs, but um, you do need that training in, in um, data analysis and performing research. And especially for us, since we also do publish um, papers and still you know, do research, we, I think it would probably be difficult to get the job if you don't have a PhD. But we also have um, people with medical background here. So not only data scientists that have a PhD in physics, but also um, people that have a PhD in, in biology or um, something more medical. Just just as a last point, what's next? You're, you're currently in Sweden, but the company is predominantly Sweden and, and New York. Is that correct? Yes, yeah, so I'm actually usually based in New York, but I go back and forth between our office in Stockholm and our office in New York, which, um, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's different, but it's uh, great to see both worlds. Do you mind me asking why New York? Well, we uh, when we got the FDA clearance as the first app to be uh, cleared for birth control in last August, we, of course, wanted to... Um, tackle the US market. And we thought that if it's a big market, so it's important that we are there. And we initially thought of California because it sounds nice. Um, <laughs> but we realized that nine hour time difference with uh, our team here in Stockholm would be uh, a bit of a stretch because you know we, we have those daily touch points together. So we thought that uh, New York is actually a little bit more realistic and, and actually a really cool city too. And a lot going on, it's full of energy. And, and so what, what, what plans do you have over, say, the next six months to a year? What's, what's next for the business? Uh, well, we will keep expanding in the U.S. Uh, we're currently building up a marketing team in the U.S. And we just got a, a new office in the middle of uh, Midtown in, next to Bryant Park. So, um, so that's pretty exciting. And we keep also progressing with um, with our team here in Stockholm and we have a small smaller team of researchers in Geneva uh, to improve the product and uh, innovate and perform more research when it comes to women's health. Amazing. Well, look, I think it's a, a fascinating product, uh, a, a really interesting story behind it. Um, so thank you for, for sharing some of the insight that you've obviously got uh, and your journey uh, with our podcast audience. I hope it continues to go from strength to strength. Thank you. Me too. Right. There's, there's part of me where I was listening to this and I was thinking, brilliant. Um, it's got two settings, one to prevent pregnancy, one to plan pregnancy. Each is easier because you understand your body. If you understand your body, we're going to get rid of those old wives tales of, you know, having a curry and herbal tea and whatever else and old remedies that are rubbish. Data is going to tell us the truth. I mean, that is the... You know the the real um, accelerator here in natural cycles, or whatever you want to call it, it, is data. You know that is the most powerful thing here, and it's you know femtech data uh, enabling and, and and as Elena says, empowering women to you know make decisions based on their cycles. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, then there's 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 an element we get kind of very excited about data, and and you know we've got this new term biohacking. But as she said, you know what to eat and when to exercise actually 
we bio we've been biohacking for generations in terms of exercising and dieting and eating it's just giving it a bit more rigor and a and a little less kind of guesswork right yeah i mean people have been meal planning and prepping for you know you, you see the instagram posts of 18 million tupperwares with you know certain lunches segregated out and ready for the week and whatnot and you know the, w- like you say, we've been biohacking and stuff like that for a while, but this is just really enabling um, uh, women to, you know, navigate around that that horrible time of month and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, one one thing that I, I I found quite affirming for some of the stuff that we've been talking about around this stuff. You know how we always say, look, I you know, I want my data to be protected, but fundamentally, if it's going to be used for good, I haven't got a problem with sharing it. Yeah. Um, I liked how she talks about the fact that they only share aggregated data and only with consent. Mm-hmm. But because their customers understand that they are sharing data to help improve women's fertility and understanding, they are more than happy to share that data. Yeah, I mean, it's we, we've said it countless times on here and our live, sh- live show. You know, if, if the NHS want to take our data and use it, please, because we know you're using it for good. And, you know, the users here give consent and stuff like that. And, I think if it, you know if everyone is open to sharing data like this, then it's it's only going to make us a healthier culture, almost right? Healthier mm. in terms of you know, literally physically healthier, but also beginning to build back trust in organisations and uh, and corporations. Now, it it stands to reason that this is one of a wave of new femtech products being built by women. I mean. This isn't um, a purely co-founded company by women. As, as we mentioned in the interview, the, the other co-founder of the business is her, is her husband. But it's, it's a product built primarily by women for women, which is fantastic and what we've been talking about. Um, but surely this is something that men should have a vested interest in, right? You know, whether or not you want a family, it's, it's not all down to the, to the, to the woman here. And it, it kind of, I've always found it very odd that, that men are very kind of arm's length about all of this. Yeah. Because it's something that impacts your life as well, pretty, in a pretty big way. Well, look, I mean, I've, I, there's, there's a couple of theories thro- floating around, right? Men have never had to do any kind of invasive contraception. We just haven't because men historically have been the scientists, they've been the guys doing all the work and stuff like that. Well, that needs to change now. You know, that has to, it should have changed a long time ago. But because men think with their genitals a lot of the time, they don't want to do anything with their genitals. You know, they don't want to rub a cream on their testicles that's going to stop them, you know, ejaculating babies out everywhere. But, you know, that could have, that could have been a thing if we'd have looked into it years ago. But no, yeah. we said, let's shove metal in women's arms and, it, you know, in their wombs and let's get them on these crazy pills that change their hormones it's disgusting it's terrible the fact that you know all men's contraception is literally just putting a condom on whereas women have an infinite amount of different ways they can do it and it's just not fair on women that they always have to be the ones altering their bodies and they're the ones that get pregnant not men you know exactly exactly and I, i guess my inarticulate point was along the lines of um if you are a supportive loving uh partner husband whatever um, and there's something out there that's a product that is going to make your partner's, your female partner's life happier and easier. Mm. Then we often talk about femtech. You know, half the population. There's there's a huge market there that's not been tapped into by these products. But actually, this is a product that 
um, as as a male, I would mm. totally advocate and go, yeah, go and use it because if if you're not going to be sitting on the sofa wondering why you're crying, and then you know you get a text and it tells yeah. you why you're crying, then great because there's more understanding, there's more support, and um, that that can only be a good thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the the whole thing around women's cycles is incomprehensible for men to ever fathom. So the fact that you know we can now be part of the conversation, and you know, women are now empowering themselves via natural cycles. Do you know? Mm highlight when this is coming and things like that and working around it I think yeah men need to be involved in uh, in that discussion yeah well it shouldn't be that it's like femtech therefore it's something for women yes, it should absolutely. be like no it's femtech but that also is a broad church that can include men you like yep. don't don't create femtech and then categorize it and box it and go there we go we've we've helped fix women things it's got femtech they've got that they you know no this is no. about expanding the conversation yeah i mean I, I remember i recall back to unbound a couple of years ago where we had a I think Riel Edwards Brown and, uh, and June Angelides were on the panel and they said, look, we want to be in a place where this isn't known as the women's panel. This is just known as a panel, you know? And I think yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. it's the same with, with, with everything in tech and, uh, and gender. So, yeah. Uh, what I found really interesting was, Dave, that um, Elena did the Higgs boson. She was on that team. Yes, I know. What the I, hell? Like- I wow. There was part of me that was like, I want to ask questions about that, but every single question I'm going to ask is going to make me appear even more stupid than normal. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, when she said I was trying to find the Higgs, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't even know that that was what they were doing. I know they were trying to recreate the black hole, but whatever. It's, it's beyond my recognition. Crazy, right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, I think we should go to our advert break. Um, all that remains is to say, Alina, thank you very much for coming on and being on our show. Absolutely fantastic and amazing business. Mm. And yeah, the Higgs boson thing, mind blown. Um, <laughs> we'll come back after this short break with some technology news. Once a month, Tech Talks opens The Tuck Shop, a YouTube tech news roundup, which is kindly carried by Disruptive Live. Disruptive Live is the UK's first and only 24-7 TV channel for the technology industry. Stay up to date with all the latest industry news by following our regular talk shows broadcast live across the Disruptive Live website and social media channels. You can also catch Disruptive Live at some of the largest global technology events, broadcasting from London, Manchester, Singapore, Dubai, and many more. Okay, diving straight into some technology news. Today, we're diving into The Verge. It's an article by Ashley Carman, at Ashley Carman. A nice, easy Twitter handle for me to remember. Oh, sorry, Ashley Ashley R. Carman. I screwed that up. So not that Uh, easy, then. No. Anyway, Facebook stories get Instagram stories, Spotify music sharing feature. Oh, Facebook stories are for people that don't realize that they're sharing it via their Instagram story to Facebook story. I don't understand people that share stories on Facebook. But anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, I love the way this article, you'll appreciate the way this article opens. Spotify will now let all people who insist on using Facebook stories. (laughs) Who does this? (laughs) Um, Share their musical tastes. Similar to the feature that lets you share music to an Instagram story from from directly within Spotify, Mm -hmm. users can now do that for Facebook stories too. To share music from Spotify, tap share and then select your preferred platform. I don't know about you, Jack. I've never done this whole sharing music. Oh, I have. On Instagram? Yeah. Oh, no, because I, I just get terribly self-conscious about the stuff I listen to. Stop listening to Calvin <laughs> Harris all the time, then. 
No, no, this morning I was listening to a lot of Hans Zimmer, actually. Oh, nice. Very nice. Ah. One of the best. Ah. But does this not remind... Did you ever used to use MSN Messenger showing our age? Yes, oh, of course. Yeah, right, and when, when you had MSN Messenger, did you ever have it on so that if you were listening to music, it would show everyone else in the your personal chat room what you were listening to? Did, Did you? Yeah. So I, I think that passed me by. Maybe, oh, maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe I was on a more basic feature. Yeah, maybe. But that—it's that, all stemmed, I believe, from that people's obsession to show everyone what they're listening to. In my age group, started from MSN, and it is now like it is just about us screaming and look, look how cool I am. Look at what I'm listening to. You should listen to it too. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's it's nice, but I'm not gonna take any recommendations via a Facebook story on what well, to Well, I'll finish, I'll finish off what this article says because it is brilliant. Uh, I, I mainly picked this because it's written with some acid in it. Um, <laughs> this this feature may round out Spotify's sharing feature, but we all know Facebook stories is a sad place. Yep. Personally, I never see more than three people posting on it on a, in a given day. And yep. if they do, it's often constant... Uh, sorry, it's often content that's cross-posted from their Instagram story. Yep. That said, people who do seemingly enjoy sharing their music on their stories and for people who remain loyal to Facebook this might be a nifty feature for them <laughs> there's a like certain that. level of condescension uh, condensation about that well the, just the word nifty implies that it's probably an older audience that's still doing it which probably oh, means well. I, I don't know what, what are they sharing Wagner's ring cycle yeah maybe maybe yeah uh, four seasons by Vivaldi or whatever yeah <laughs> We shouldn't. We're being terrible here. Uh, Carol <laughs> King. Carol King has some great songs. She does. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was watching a documentary um, about Adele last night. I was terribly bored. What the, the, um, com- the computer or the singer? The singer, uh, not Adele. <laughs> okay. um, and Perez Hilton. I don't know how oh, Perez Hilton toxic. is still relevant. Was talking about the fact that Adele's music is forever music. It will be here long after we have gone. It's like oh. Why do they get these people on these shows to just trot out drab statements that really... Anyway, sorry. Mm, yeah, no, that's, that is a bit of a bizarre one, that one. I mean, I, I like Adele as much as the next person, but she hasn't done anything, you know, new, has she? She's just a ballad singer. Oh, I don't know. No, no I, I think it's good. She's proving that, you know, if you come from a fairly rough place in Tottenham, Etta James is perfectly, you know, for all those kids out there who want to go into the jazz section of HMV and not just... She talks about the fact that all of her friends listen to Slipknot and although she disliked it, she kind of felt pressured that she should listen to it too, even though it kind of scared her a bit. The one thing I would Still say does. about Adele... Yeah, is that... Yeah, she's a fantastic singer. Put that to one aside, though, and she's saying to young women and and guys that, hey, it's okay to like stuff that your friends don't like. Um, Be yourself. Yeah, absolutely. I I love Adele. I just just don't know if she's going to be at legend status. A forever music person. Anyway, look, we're rambling now, so uh, let's wrap up. Um, Thank you for joining us on Tech Talks this morning. Um, Enjoy sharing your music on on Facebook uh, if you're going to do that. Uh, All two of you listening that use Facebook story. (laughs) And we'll be back on Thursday. Cheery bye.